Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Have you been enjoying this series through John 14? We're going to keep going uh, through this today. Even if you haven't enjoyed it, it's coming for you. So uh, go ahead and buckle up for that. Uh, John chapter 14, 7 through 11. I want to introduce where we're going today to try to help you understand uh, where I believe the Lord is leading us. It's, it's some amazing news. Maybe the most amazing news that I can give you right here from the top is that you can know God. You can know God. You can know, not only know about God, but you can know him personally, relationally, You can experience him firsthand. When I was growing up, uh, I, I, I was aspiring to be a good golfer. Like that was my, that was my whole goal in life. And I spent way too many hours trying to be great at this. And, and when I was younger and into high school, uh, Tiger Woods was everything. Like I watched him every time he was on TV. I studied him. He was everything back in the in the mid 2000s which by the way he's still the greatest of all time but we can have that conversation later maybe you're not a golf fan so in that case I'll just tell you he's the greatest athlete of all time but we can have that conversation later too if you'd like I'm I'm all good with the arguments uh and I would study him and I would watch him and I wanted to know because he was great and I wanted to be like him and I would watch how he would swing and I would, I would study the way he moved even down to me. This is like psycho stuff. I would watch the way that he walked. I would watch the way that he talked. I would try to get inside of his mind. I would listen to the way he talked about the game so that I could understand the way he thought about the game. I knew how he threw up the grass to see where the wind was blowing. I knew how he got low on the grass to read the, the breaks in the grass to understand how to read the putts. I, I, I watched him almost religiously. So I wanted to know what he did. I wanted to know him. I wanted to know how he did it so so I could be like him. I spent all this time understanding how to be like him. And one day I had an opportunity to meet him and he was walking in the room and I was in the room and I was so starstruck and I was terrified and I was trying to build up the courage and I'm thinking, what in the world am I gonna say to him? And by the time I got up enough courage and had my, my line prepared that I was gonna say to him, he was already out of the room and I missed my chance. So I didn't even get to meet him. It's like all, all that was washed away. But here's the point. At best, I could vicariously know him. I could know him from a distance. I, I, could, I could understand what he did. I could, I could study the way that he was, but it was never more than just this vicarious experience 
of him. I'm reminded of Exodus 34 when Moses was asking God to show him his glory and, and, he's, and he's going through and God, God is showing him his glory and then he's on Mount Sinai and he gives him the two tablets of the testimony, the, the, the Ten Commandments, and he's coming down the, the, the mountain and the people come in contact with Moses and his face is shining so bright and the people were like, whoa, what is that? Moses didn't even know that his face was shining, but it was shining because he had been with God face to face. It was shining because he had beheld the glory of God. The people were like, whoa, they're in awe, they're fearful. When Moses would go in after that and he would meet with God in the tent of meeting and he would experience the presence of God, he would go in without his veil, but he would come out of the tent with the veil over his face because he didn't want the people to get distracted or afraid or in awe of him. And he would deliver to them what God said with a veil over his face. And then he would go back into the presence of God. He would take the veil off and he would experience the glory of God again. His face would begin to shine. And we can talk about those stories. We can talk about those actual things that happen. And I could, I could give you a list of other things where people experienced God. And I wonder today if we've come so far in our culture, if we've come so far in church, if we've come so far in what we think this is, that if Moses was standing here today with his face shining, we would be more excited to get a picture with him than to be with the one who made his face shine in the first place. I wonder if we're so enamored with vicariously experiencing through somebody else's experience of God. Like, just give me something good today, pastor. Just give me something good today, worship team. Give me a little taste of what you're experiencing. It's almost like already been chewed gum. The flavor's not there. The experience is not there. And we're settling for so much less than what we could have. But God wants more for us. God wants more for you. His Holy Spirit is not just in the pastors on the stage or the people that have been walking with him for 50 years. His Holy Spirit is here in every believer, in every Christian dwells the Holy Spirit. You can know God. How can you know God? By looking at Jesus. That's how you can know God. That, that's my sermon in a sentence. To know God, draw near to Jesus. If you're one of those that likes to take notes, and it, honestly, you could write that down and then just go on to lunch. That'd be fine. You got the whole message right there. To know God, draw near to Jesus. I'm just kidding. I want you to stay, but, you know, trying to be fun. I don't know. To know God, draw near to Jesus. How can we draw near to Jesus? We can draw near to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. How can we do that? We can do that because Jesus paid it all by his blood. He bore your shame. He bore your sin and all that now trust in him for the forgiveness of sins can enter into the grace and mercy of God, can enter into his presence by the Holy Spirit. John has been setting this up all the way. If you go back and read his gospel account, he's setting this up all the way. He's saying Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form. He, he is fully God and fully man. Jesus is who he says he is. He is the perfect union of deity and humanity. And it had to be this way so that he who knew no sin, in other words, Jesus never sinned, 
He didn't even know it. In his humanity, he became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It had to be this way, fully God, fully man, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Look back at John chapter 1. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just setting the table for where we're going. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, the Word. Who's the Word? Capital W, Jesus. That's who the Word is. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was there. Verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Last week, we saw Thomas in John chapter 14, verse, verse 5. We saw Thomas ask Jesus a question. And Jesus was there talking to his disciples, and, and Thomas was bold enough to ask, Jesus, how can we know the way? How, how can we know where to go? We don't even know where you're going. We, we don't have a, a map to get there. We don't know the way. And he asked Jesus, how are we supposed to go when we don't know where you're going? And Jesus answered him with the glorious truth in verse 6 of John chapter 4. I am the way. I am the way. He said, you don't need to have a map to show you the way because you have a person and that is me. Follow me. I am the way. And then he said, I am the truth. I am the truth. There's no shred of darkness. There's no shred of doubt. There's no shred of anything false in me. I'm the truth. You can trust it. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And he said, I'm the life. You will find fullness of life in me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. And then we pick it up this week with the rest of, of Jesus' response in verse 7 of John chapter 14. It'll be on the screen. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. If you would have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We're going to pause right there for a minute because there's so much depth in that verse. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let me take you into Jared's English class for a moment, okay? And that's scary. This should be very scary to all of you, but we're going to do it just for a moment. It's going to be teacher Teach your hat for a second. And it's actually not really English class. It's actually Greek class, which is even more scary. All right, but just come with me just for a second. There's riches here to be found. If, if, you, would, if you had known me, Jesus said, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you do know me. Okay, there's three no's there, right? Two of them, the first two, are a different verb than the last one. Just come with me for a second. The first two are this verb that means experience, firsthand, this, this Greek verb root, gnosko, to experience relationally, a firsthand 
encounter, experience that type of no. He said, if, if you had known me, you would have known experientially my father also, because I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm the way to know the Father. I am the express image of the Father. If you would have known me experientially, you would have known my Father experientially. And then he goes on to say, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's a different verb, know. That verb, know, is the Greek root oida, which means to behold or perceive or, or to see and know, to, to learn by seeing, to understand by seeing, which, which this is important as well. As some, some dictionaries define this word as a gateway to grasp spiritual truth from a physical place. So, so oida, this word that Jesus uses next is, from now on you will know him, you, you'll be able to see him, behold him. You, this gateway to deeper spiritual reality that leads to gnosko, experience, firsthand knowledge of who Jesus is. This is, the, this is what Jesus is doing very intentionally in this text. Oida, to know by seeing and learning, this, this physical knowing is the gateway to experiential knowing, relational knowing. Seeing, beholding, perceiving who God is by faith becomes the gateway to personally experiencing him in life. This is moving from oida to gnosko, okay? It's moving through the gateway of understanding and seeing and learning to experiencing relationally. That's, that's what Jesus is doing here. John uses this language again in his first letter, and we see it in chapter 5 to close out this first letter. John chapter 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So this is what John does here with the same language. He says, and we Oida, and we know Oida, the Son of God. We know by seeing and beholding and perceiving the Son of God, and we know he has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Gnosko, him who is true. Do you see that? He's taking us through the gateway into a deeper spiritual understanding and insight from experience First. Hand. That's the offer on the table. We can't just settle for learning knowledge and, and intellectual assent when we have a relational God who has made it possible for us to draw near to him in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with clean water and washed because of the blood of Jesus. So how do we turn knowledge about God into firsthand experience of God. That is, that's what I want to talk about here for a moment because we can know him. We can experience him. We don't just have to settle for knowledge about him. We don't just have to settle for watching him on TV. You can't really, but you know, it's going back to my Tiger Woods thing. You know, I don't know. Okay. We, we don't have to just settle for knowledge about him. We can experience him firsthand. Look at what Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. Verses 14 through 19, this is a beautiful prayer 
For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. Strength for what? Like he's setting us up. Strength for what? Strength to overcome addiction, strength to overcome doubt, strength to overcome, strength strength for what? Like, what is it, Paul? You're spending a lot of time building this up. Strength for what? He said in verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know, gnosko, and to know the love of God, the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the exclamation point that Paul puts on this prayer. Think about this with me for a second. And he's praying that you would have strength to comprehend and be filled with all the fullness of God by knowing experientially firsthand the love of Christ that God offers to you. This is where it all begins. This is where, this is where every bit of life flows from. We oftentimes try to work it backwards. We go from the outside in, and God's trying to work from the inside out. We're trying to modify our behavior and modify our approach. Pastor, just give me three quick things that I can apply so that I can be better. When God is here to meet with you on the deepest part and say, I've come to experience you, and you experience me. And when we get in this dance and we go deeper and deeper in this, you're going to find more love, more grace, more mercy than you can ever imagine. And all of a sudden, all of the things that you're tempted by are going to fall away like less than because that's what they are when you come before me in this way. It's inside out. Jesus said, you can know me in this way from now on. You can know me in this way. Let's go back to John 14, verse 8. It'll be on the screen. So this is what Philip says in response to Jesus saying that, that they can know the Father through him. Philip said to him, okay, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Show us the Father and it is enough for us. Show us the Father. I thought when I read this, wow, the audacity of Philip to not ask, but to tell. Jesus, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. Lord, just show us the Father, and, and, and that'll be enough. Maybe Philip had Isaiah in mind when, when Isaiah wrote about, in Isaiah 6, when he wrote about having this vision of, of the Holy One on the throne and his train of his robe filled the temple and his glory was astounding and it was bright and the living creatures were, were screaming, holy, holy, holy in, unto our God. And, and Isaiah responded in this way in Isaiah 6 in, in verse 4. He says, the foundation of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. Woe is me, Isaiah said, when he came in contact with his glory, for I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, 
My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. When his eyes saw the king, he fell down and said, woe is me. I'm not worthy. Maybe Philip had him in mind. Maybe Philip had Moses in mind at, at the burning bush when, when Moses encountered the glory of God through a bush that would not be consumed. And God said, take off your sandals, Moses. You're on holy ground. Maybe, maybe he had Moses in mind when Moses asked God to show him his glory. And, and, and God told Moses, go into the rock, the cleft of the rock, the crack there, and, and I'll pass by you, but I'll have my hand over that rock because no man can see me and live. So I'll, I'll let my hand go when my back has passed by you so you could see my back. You can see my glory in part. Or maybe Philip had Ezekiel in mind. And my goodness, if you read Ezekiel's book uh, in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Lord just kept on visiting him. I mean, it was over and over again. The Lord, the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. I saw the Lord. The word of the Lord came. Ezekiel got to see the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord came to Ezekiel and, and the word of the Lord spoke through Ezekiel. Maybe Philip was thinking about these men when he says, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Then I thought about that statement from Philip and I thought, wow, the audacity for Philip to say when, it, when enough would be enough. And then I thought to myself, wow, how much like me is Philip to try to define where enough will be enough? How, uh, let me just be real for a second. In my mind, most of the time, I think I'm a really great negotiator when I come before God and I tell him what I'll stop doing if he gives me something that I'm asking for. I will stop doing that. God, if you will just give me that girl with the brown hair and the green eyes with the last name Shannon that I want to change to Kegel, if you just give me her, I will stop forever doing all of those things. I will never cuss again, God. I'll never say another cuss word in my life if you give me a good negotiator. Maybe you can relate to that. Like, this is going to be, if you'll just do this, it'll be enough. If you'll just give me this career, if you'll just help my kids be safe, if, if you'll just keep my kids out of trouble, if you'll just, if, 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 then creator and sustainer of all life and that it, everything that is good, then I will do this. Then I will never again do this as if we've become master negotiators with the God of all creation. Then it will be enough, Philip said. I think maybe we lose sight of the fact that when we're trying to draw lines for God, and we tell him when enough will be enough, we're talking to the one who is enough, and by the way, the only one who is enough, the only one who can define enough, and he's sitting there listening to our negotiations, thinking to himself, you cannot see what I see. You cannot know what I know. You cannot work the way that I work. I define enough. Philip, I will define when enough will be enough. And we're here trying to tell the one who is enough when we'll get enough to start believing in the one who is enough. But Jesus, of course, responded with great gentleness 
understanding, kindness, patience with Philip. And, and he presses in in verse 9, John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Philip said, show us the Father and it'll be enough. Jesus said, have I been with you this long and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to show you, Jesus said. How can you say, show us the Father? I am the Father. Whoever sees me has seen him. Jesus responds again by proclaiming his deity, proclaiming his, that he is fully God. We see this elsewhere in the Bible as well, proclaiming Jesus as God. Colossians 1.15, I'm just going to give you a few here really quickly. Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the express image, the exact express image of the invisible God. Sit in that one for a little bit, let it blow your mind. He is the express image of the invisible God. God. How about Hebrews 1.3? He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Jesus. Hebrews 1.3. What about Colossians 2.9? For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus, every bit of God dwells. He is God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he and I are one. John chapter 10. Beautiful piece of scripture. And if you compare it to John chapter 14, you're going to see very similar language. So I want to dig into that really quickly here as we prepare to close. John chapter 10. We're going to start it in verse 22. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to respect the fact that I hear pages because it makes me so happy. John chapter 10, verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him. The Jews gathered around him. They're trying to catch him in a lie. They're trying to pin him against the wall. And this is what they said. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ... Tell us plainly. And this is how Jesus responded to them. I told you. I told you. I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. You do not believe, Jesus said, because you're not among my sheep. You're not in my flock. You're not a part of my family. Your eyes have not been opened. You're spiritually dead. You are not in my family. That's why you don't believe. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Guess what kind of know that is? Gnosko. Experience, relationship. 
My sheep hear my voice and I gnosko them. I experience relationship with them and they follow me. And look at verse 28. Rejoice in verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, nothing can separate them from my love. And my father, verse 29, who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of his hand. And he proclaims it again, his deity in verse 30. I and the father are one. I and the father are one. If you read his high priestly prayer in John 17, same language. We are one. He's praying that the world would know that he and the father are one. I and the father are one. So look at what the Jews did in verse 31 in response to this. They picked up stones again to stone him. Proclaiming his deity, proclaiming that he is God, they pick up stones to stone him. And I want you to put yourself there as much as you can in your mind. I want you to put yourself there. Think about how difficult it would be for Jesus to respond with self-control, with a group of religious people picking up stones to get ready to kill him. But watch his patience, watch his forbearance, watch how love is being personified through him. Jesus answered them. By the way, they didn't even say anything. They didn't ask anything, they just picked up stones and John 32 says, Jesus answered them. I like it when that happens. It's like he knows their thoughts. Oh wait, he does. Okay, Jesus answered them. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Which one of these good works that I've shown you are you gonna stone me for? And the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. He didn't, he didn't, it was never a moment where he was not. So he didn't make himself because he always was. So that's start of the problem with how they saw it, but okay. Verse 37, if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Think about this. Think about this response that Jesus did not slander them or condemn them or go after their throats with what they were saying. He, he says, okay, I've already told you that you don't believe me because you're not a part of my family. You're not a part of my sheepfold. But I'm gonna give you another chance. If you don't believe me for who I am and what I'm saying, look at my works and look at what I've done and see how that can only come from the Father. And believe that way. The patience, the patience of God, the kindness of God to give us chance after chance after chance. You see that? And we see how similar that language is to John 14. So let's jump back over to John 14 as we prepare to close this morning. John 14, 10 and 11. 
listen to the language that's so similar in the way that Jesus is responding to Philip. Jesus says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus said, believe. Believe on account of my words. If you don't believe on account of my words, believe on account of my works. That's what Jesus said. Believe. Listen to my words. Read my words. Go back and remember my words. If you don't believe on the account of my words, though, I, I, I have works that I've performed. I have miraculous deeds that I've done that can only be done by my Father who is in heaven through me, and I and him are one. So believe in my works. He's given us chance after chance after chance. Do you not believe? Okay, believe. Here's how. Look at my words. Look at my works. Faith is the answer, Jesus said. Faith was the means for your salvation. It's the means for sustaining your relationship. Faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. How do we walk? How do we, how do we move through life? By faith. Well, I don't know what's coming next. By faith. But Jesus is reminding us this morning as he reminded them 2,000 years ago. He's reminding us today as well that there are grounds for our faith. That there, are act there is actually firm ground to stand on. We, we have historically accurate accounts, many of them, to remember and, and, and trust in the words and the works of Jesus, knowing that he is the express image of God, that, that all of God dwells in him. We can believe that he is God. We can believe that he is who he says he is. It's not blindly leaping in the dark, hoping that he's gonna be there because he's proven himself time and time and time again. And maybe you have gotten so far away from experiencing that and drawing near to him that you're beginning to forget that he has never failed you and he's not gonna start now. Well, today's the day to draw a little closer and to remind yourself that for, for centuries he's been showing up for his people. For centuries he's never let his people down. For centuries he's proven that he's strong enough to hold on to you. For centuries, he's proven that he's strong enough. His love will sustain you through it all. His grace is enough, and his mercy is new every morning. He's been proving it. He's been proving it. We don't have to blindly jump. I read a story a while ago. I can't remember if I've told you this or not. So if I've told you this, just go with it and act like I haven't, if you don't mind. I'm getting to the point now where I repeat myself, okay? So I don't know. But this is a really good story to illustrate the point. There was a, there was a young girl. She was 13 years old, and she was blind. She couldn't see. She was on a high rise on the 14th floor of this building, and building caught on fire 
She couldn't see, but she could smell the smoke. She could hear people running out, and it, but it was, too, it, was, it was too late to get out the door because when she got to the door, she felt that it was hot and, and she, she was getting engulfed by the smoke. So she, she crawled across the room to the other side and, and she found a window and, and she felt the window and it wasn't hot. So she opened the window and just consider how terrifying this is to be blind and know that the building's on fire and you're 14 stories up. And she opens the window and she can hear people outside running around screaming. She can hear them. And then she hears somebody quiet the crowd down and say, we can see you. We can see you. We have a net down here. You can jump. You can trust us. Just jump. We, we'll catch you. The little girl's like, ah. And she's scared and, and, and she's looking and she can't see and she's feeling and she, it's, it's starting to get hotter in the room and, and she, she's just too afraid to jump. So she hears another voice cry out to her. I, I'm, I'm down here and I can feel the net. I, it's down here. I, I, I promise you, we can catch you. We've got a lot of people down here ready to catch you. Just jump, just jump. And the little girl couldn't do it. She, she didn't know. She was scared. She just needed, she needed something. She needed courage. She needed confidence. She needed something, but she couldn't do it. She was too afraid and she's shaking there, not able to jump. And then she heard a voice. She heard a voice call out above the crowd and say, baby, we're here. We're here. I'm here. The net can catch you. You can trust me. And all it took for the girl was to hear her father's voice. And as soon as she heard her father's voice, she let go and she jumped and the net caught her down there. She was safe and she embraced her father and she said, thank you so much for being here. I didn't know that I could have the courage to jump, but when I heard your voice, I knew I could trust that I would be safe. And sometimes in life, many times in life, it may feel like you're about to jump out of a burning building blind, like you can't see and you don't know what's down there and you're just having to trust blindly. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to encourage you with everything I have that God has proven himself faithful, that God has proven himself from generation to generation that he's strong to save. He's proven that he can catch you when you jump. You don't have to jump blindly. You can go back to his word. You can go back to the teachings of the apostles. You can go back to his words through the prophets. You can go back and look into the face, the person of Jesus, and when you turn your eyes to him, you will remember that he's there to catch you, and he's never failed, and he's not going to start now. You can know God today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You can know God today. You look full in his wonderful face, and you can know God today, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Everything's going to fade away in the light of his glory and his grace. You can know God today. Sink deeply into his mercy. Get lost in his glory. Remind yourself of his grace. Eternity is in the balance. Don't leave this room today if you've never put your faith in Jesus and he's drawing you to himself.
Don't leave this room without responding to what he's doing. Don't leave this room without at least asking somebody what this is that you're feeling inside of you. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What's his name? Jesus. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is God fully, completely, and he died a sinner's death in your place so that you, so that you could be cleansed of your sin and forgiven. And all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children of God. To know God, draw near to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Take up the confidence that a child has when they crawl up in their father's lap this morning. If you know God, if you're a child of God today, maybe this altar's a place where you need to be in just a few minutes to crawl up in his lap to lay down what you're carrying, to confess sin to him, to repent of where you've been and what you've done and, and fall into his cleansing flood this morning. But if you're not a child of God and you're in this room and you know it, please don't leave without grabbing me or somebody else and asking them how to put your faith in Jesus. But maybe you're sitting in your seat right now and you don't need to ask anybody, you already know it then come on up here and tell me and I'll celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.